as he did. No, no doubt you could think of an example or two. Uh, let's go ahead and open in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, tonight uh, for your blessings. Lord, we are mindful tonight that we don't deserve uh, the many blessings that you pour into our lives. Uh, we don't deserve the blessings that you've poured into this church, this assembly that is yours. Lord, I thank you tonight for your gracious, gracious blessings. Father, thank you for working in trials. We've uh, heard this week of uh, really uh, profoundly difficult trials, Lord, and we um, thank you that you are present in the midst of them, working in them, and blessing uh, providing all that is needed. Lord, I thank you for that tonight. I thank you, Father, for your grace, your strength, your mercy uh, that is available to your people always. Lord, as we turn to Lamentations now, I pray that you give us a heart uh, to uh, dig into these, these chapters, these uh, dirges. Lord, they, they can be hard to read, as we said last week, but we understand tonight, Lord, that they're for our instruction. They remind us of the um, breadth of consequences uh, for sin, for refusal to, to get right with you. And Lord, of course, they point to Christ as the solution, our Savior. And so, Lord, I, I pray tonight we not be discouraged in any way, but that we would uh, seek, Lord, that which you desire to Reveal to us tonight, to work in our hearts tonight. Lord, have us respond just exactly as you desire for your honor and your glory. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Came in tonight. You probably saw some squiggly black marks out there. Did you see that? That's a blessing. That's the first part of the, uh, the uh, ceiling of the pavement got completed today. A little bit unexpectedly. A little bit of a surprise that it was today, but... Uh, the cracks have all been sealed. By the way, that's the first step before they can seal all of the pavement. That should happen. Um, we don't know when exactly yet, but within the next 10 days or so, most likely. So pray that that will just continue to go forth smoothly. Uh, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. Uh, tonight, we'll, we'll return to Lamentations. There we go. Lamentations 1. Uh, I want to look. Uh, we'll pick it up where we left off last Wednesday night, middle of Lamentations chapter 1. Uh, remind you also that um, I gave out uh, two handouts last Wednesday night. Uh, if you did not get one, if you did not receive the handout, see me after. I have a few copies. Try to get a few copies out before church tonight. But uh, if you didn't receive that, let me know. There's a two-sided introduction to the Book of Lamentations. It has some good and uh, useful, helpful information uh, and then another handout, recall, that showed where this book fits um, in Scripture. Of course, we looked at books that deal with the uh, history leading up to the captivity in Babylon, books that fit there leading up to the captivity, Brother Mike. Then some books that are written in the time of the captivity, uh, between 586 and the seven or so decades that, that follow in, in the captivity. That's where we are tonight, right? We're, we're in the captivity uh, Jeremiah uh, had been warning uh, together with Isaiah and others regarding consequences for sin. And uh, now, sure enough, the people are in the Babylonian captivity, consequence of their sin. Uh, and Jeremiah is, is writing evidently very early in the captivity, uh, reflecting on what has happened and uh, observing uh, all of the uh, physical destruction 
together with the emotional spiritual consequences that the people are suffering a as a result of that. Marilyn, that can be hard to read, but it is a useful, helpful reminder to be right with the Lord. <laughs> don't, don't let things get to a point where uh, the best thing that God can do is, is pour big correction into your life. Keep short accounts with the Lord um, and, and be reminded, of course, that we can because of Christ. And um, I, I offered last week the, the observation, not, not my observation, but a, a common observation that Lamentations is recording, Mike, the, the consequence of sin that the people are experiencing. Uh, the people are suffering. They're, they're God's servants, or at least they're supposed to be, suffering for the consequences of their own sin. Uh, and in that, there's at least a suggestion that this is a picture of Christ, right? Uh, a suffering servant who suffered not for his own sins, but for the sins of others. Uh, the people who are suffering in the captivity, uh, people before that, people after that, including all of us in this room tonight, he, he suffered as, as a, a suffering servant of God the Father uh, for our sins as well. And so be reminded, I, I warned you that I'll, I'll keep bringing us back to that thought as we look at the severity of the consequences that people are experiencing. Uh, let it point you to Christ as, as the answer. Let it be a reminder, yep, sin has consequences, I'm going to stay right with the Lord because I don't want those consequences. I want his blessings that will bring him honor and glory. But no matter what, Brother Ray, uh, the, the depth of the trial that we see here in this book necessarily points us to Christ uh, as the answer once and for all. So please keep that in mind uh, and, and be encouraged. Uh, be, be encouraged by that, please. So we're in Lamentations chapter 1. Uh, you recall, very early uh, in the captivity, maybe it's 586 still, I think. Uh, it, it probably still is 586 or certainly within, uh, I think, the, the first months or perhaps the first year uh, of, of the captivity, the sort of final wave of, of the uh, deportation of people to, to Babylon. Um, did I pray, Zach? Did I pray? Do you remember? I'm going to pray. Let's stop and pray. Father, thank you, Lord, tonight for... Uh, your words. Uh, Lord, thank you for all of your words, those that are easy to receive uh, and to delight in, and those that are more challenging. Lord, we know we need these words tonight. Uh, they are so instructive. They point so directly to uh, Christ. Father, I pray tonight that you would um, give us hearts again for these words, and Lord, that you would work here tonight for your honor and for your glory. Lord, we love you. Uh, we thank you for uh, these words, as difficult as they are, Lord. Use them now here tonight, please, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so Lamentations chapter 1. Is everybody there? Everybody has a Bible. Everybody's there. Uh, if you're not sure where Lamentations is, you find Isaiah, big book in the Old Testament. Uh, go forward to uh, Jeremiah. At, right after Jeremiah, you find this short little book of Lamentations. Uh, not very long at all. Uh, I believe we got through verse 11 last week, so let's jump in the second half of uh, Lamentations chapter 1. Uh, so Jeremiah's been uh, commenting on uh, dealing with um, all of the emotional turmoil that came with uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, the being carried off into captivity. Uh, the Lord has had him to picture 
uh, the people of Judah as a mourning, not, not early in the day, but one who is sorrow, filled with sorrow, uh, a woman who is mourning and a very sinful woman uh, who is mourning maybe because of her sin, but more obviously because of the consequence of her sin, at least uh, early on here in this chapter. Uh, so remember, that's sort of the, e each of these chapters will uh, have another sort of controlling picture uh, that, that um, Jeremiah views, Lord has Jeremiah to picture uh, people of Judah uh, as. In any event, um, beginning in verse 12, uh, there's uh, sort of a transition in, in this poem, Mike. It's, it becomes more of a plea uh, for mercy now, and, and that makes sense. He's been painting this picture, this canvas of all these trials and all the different aspects of the trial, the physical destruction, the emotional suffering, spiritual horror of, of it all. He's been painting out that canvas, uh, and so, you, you would hope that that would at least cause people to cry out for God's mercy. Uh, and, and in fact, it does. There is a, uh, a theme here of, of this sorrow and all, all the lamenting, uh, pointing people, the Lord using it to encourage people to cry out uh, to him. Um, if you can remember an especially hard trial, uh, when you were saved, you can probably also remember that that especially hard trial uh, caused you to cry out to the Lord. We see, we see that here. Um, verse 12, um, I, Jeremiah writes, um, Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by, behold, uh, and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done uh, unto me? So more commentary on the depth of the sorrow here. Um, second half, verse 12, we may have covered this last week, can't remember, but a little bit of review uh, is a good thing. Um, the, the city of Jerusalem is, is personified. It's poetic device, right? We said this is poetry. Uh, it realizes that it's the, it was the Lord uh, who is behind the suffering that she is experiencing. Uh, so the city of Jerusalem is speaking, Brother Ray, this poetic device the Lord is using. Of course, it's not literally speaking, it's, it's speaking poetically. Second part of verse 12 says, wherewith the Lord hath afflicted me uh, in the day of his fierce anger. Uh, look down at verse uh, 14, you see references to wrath and anger. Uh, if you look at verse uh, 15, uh, similar references to uh, wrath and anger. Um, this uh, personification, look at verse 13. Uh, From above hath he sent fire into my bones, uh, and it prevaileth against them. He, uh, the Lord. So uh, Jeremiah recognizes um, that the people, it's the city speaking poetically, but it, it would seem to be conveying the idea that people are starting to realize that this is not just happen randomly, but the Lord has allowed them to suffer uh, because of their sin. Uh, from above hath he, the Lord, sent fire into my bones, and it prevaileth against them. He uh, spread a net for my feet. He, the Lord, hath turned me back. He, the Lord, uh, hath made me desolate and faint or weak all the day. Uh, verse 14, the yoke of my transgression is bound by his hand. Uh, there. Uh, wreathed and come up upon my neck. He, the Lord, uh, hath made my strength to fall. Uh, the Lord hath delivered me into their hands. 
yeah, the Lord delivered me into the hands of the Babylonians from whom uh, I am not able to rise up. Let me read one more verse. Uh, the Lord, verse 15, the Lord hath trodden underfoot all my mighty men uh, in the midst of me. Is that, it's, it's the city of Jerusalem speaking. Uh, the Lord has uh, trodden under all of my mighty men uh, in the midst of me. He, the Lord, hath called an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord hath trodden the virgin, the daughter of Judah, uh, as in a winepress. We, we uh, looked at that um, uh, metaphor a little bit uh, last week, I believe. Uh, the idea that people are pictured, Mike, as grapes in a wine press, and as as they're being crushed in the wine press, the uh, the juice uh, picturing their blood is 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 coming forth. This is a great consequence for uh, great sin. I can't remember if I asked you this last week, but um, let me let me just ask you this question. I, I believe you know the answer. Is is this the Lord who is accomplishing this judgment of Judah and the people? Is is it God's action that we see here is Zach is, is this the Lord who's done this yeah it, it, it is um, Jeremiah says uh, he 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 the Lord uh, toward the end of verse 14 the Lord beginning of verse 15 makes that very clear that this is this is God uh, who has not just permitted but caused Jerusalem the people uh, throughout Judah to suffer all of this this trial um, is any part of this unjust? Is, is, is it possible that, because this sounds pretty bad, Mike, um, is, is, the Lord, is the Lord in any way being unjust as he causes this level of judgment and correction uh, to be poured out upon the people? The destruction of Jerusalem, the capstone of, of, of the world at that time, the, the carting away of the vast majority of the people. Any, is any part of that? I think I asked the question last week. Uh, is any part of it unjust, Zach? Not, not a lick of it. These people have been warned all the way, 700 years earlier, roughly, all the way back to Deuteronomy 28. They've been warned and warned and warned for uh, 700 or so years. Uh, and, and so having refused to heed the warning and get right, sure enough, the Lord is, is going to correct them. Not a lick of this. Um, is unjust. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt like a trial that you were experiencing was unjust? Have you ever felt that way? Probably, probably most of us have felt that way. Lord, how could you let me experience this? Or why am I experiencing this? I'm almost perfect. Well, maybe you don't think that those words exactly, but we, Brother Ray, we have probably at, at some point felt like what God is allowing me to experience right now uh, is unjust. Is, is the Lord perfectly just or, or not? Well, we know he is. We know that we are sinners uh, saved by grace. We know that we're very much still sinning. Uh, and so any correction that God pours into our life, it's, it's perfectly just because he is perfectly just. Uh, it's perfectly just because we know there is still sin in our lives. Uh, Lord, help us. When, when we feel like you're being unjust, remember these truths. Uh, no doubt some of the people, perhaps even most of the people in the captivity, at least for a time, thought, uh, <laughs> why would the Lord allow this? We're his people. 
Uh, yeah, but the sin, the sin, the sin. Uh, verse 16, for these things I weep. I think it's still um, um, the city, poetically speaking. It could be Jeremiah, Mike, but I, the city is speaking poetically. For these things I weep, mine eye, mine eye runneth down with water, because the comforter that I should, that should relieve my soul is far from me. Yet the Lord is the one who should relieve them, but, but he has withdrawn himself from them for a time uh, for their correction. My children are desolate uh, because the enemy prevailed. Who's the enemy, Brother Rich? Uh, who's the one that carried people off into captivity? It's Nebuchadnezzar in, in Babylon, right. Uh, verse 17, Zion spreadeth forth her hands, there's none to comfort her. The Lord commanded concerning Jacob that his adversaries should be uh, round about him. Can't help but uh, think of our um, sort of frequent allusions to Armageddon um, in our study of Isaiah in 10 o'clock hour on Sundays. Uh, yep, sure enough, the, the city had been surrounded, Brother Ray, and people had been carried off. Um, a similar day will be coming at the end of the tribulation at that great battle of Armageddon. The Lord will um, author that time of correction uh, and deliverance also. Correction and merciful deliverance uh, also. Uh, also. Uh, verse 17, Jerusalem, uh, next part of verse 17, language is difficult. Jerusalem is as a menstruous woman um, among them. So, so treated uh, as, as a woman who, who would have been uh, viewed um, as under the curse uh, at that time of the month, if you will, uh, view, viewed as, now, it, by the way, is, is that a curse? Is that part of the curse that is upon the creation today? Yeah, <laughs> sure enough, uh, sure, sure enough, uh, no, no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, so remember that, uh, don't, don't lose sight of that. Jerusalem is as a menstruous woman among them. Um, um, yeah, treated as, as one who is under a curse and they very much are uh, under the judgment of the Lord uh, in a sense, uh, suffering the curse of, that is associated justly uh, with their sin. And now uh, in verse 18, uh, Jerusalem, um, poetically, uh, seems to cry out to the people in the captivity. Uh, this is good, beginning of verse 18. So, so here's some encouragement now. Uh, beginning of verse 18, the Lord is righteous. Uh, he's not unjust in any way. He's warned you and warned you and warned you. Uh, he's, he's, he's conferred so many blessings upon you and you responded with such sin. Uh, and he's been so good to warn you uh, don't forget, he is righteous. Uh, he's perfectly righteous. He's righteous in every way. Uh, the Lord is righteous. The, the city that has suffered so much is poetically crying out to the people uh, who are the cause of that suffering. The Lord is righteous, uh, for I have rebelled against his commandment. And so here is a picture uh, poetry here, a picture of the city crying out um, this um, confession. Mike, I was going to say wonderful confession. It is wonderful when someone would finally um, agree with the Lord, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, Lord, that, that thing that I have been refusing to give up that you've been convicting me about, sure enough, that, that is sin. That's a wonderful thing when the Lord gets a hold of us 
however, he needs to do that, and we finally respond with confession, agreeing uh, that sin. The Lord is righteous, for I have rebelled against his commandment. There's a poetic recognition here. Jeremiah, yes, there's this use of poetry, the city is speaking, but uh, Jeremiah is um, at least encouraging the people to take up this thought, but uh, hopefully reflecting the reality that some of the people had already come to this conclusion, not on their own, Marilyn. The Lord had to really give them a good hard spank uh, to get them to this point, but uh, the Lord is righteous, the city realizes. Hopefully this is suggesting that at least some of the people see this. For I have rebelled against his commandment. Uh, when we are suffering uh, a trial, uh, of course, not all of our trials are the result of our own sin. We know that from the book of Job and other places as well, certainly from Job. But when we know that we are suffering correction because of our sin, we may also know there's nothing unrighteous or unjust about that. The Lord is righteous. Uh, I'm suffering because I've rebelled against his commandment. We, that, that's a truth that we need to hold on to when we are suffering because of our sin uh, and say, Lord, I, I agree with you. I agree with the, the conviction. I, I confess. Uh, the city says, here, I pray you, uh, grammatically is all the people, but he says all people, Behold my sorrow, uh, my virgins and my young men are gone into uh, captivity. So there's a hint of confession here. Uh, that is what the people need to be encouraged to do, of course. That's what we uh, need to be encouraged uh, to do also, uh, of course. Look at verse 19. Um, there's a, uh, a reminder of the sin that got them where they are. Uh, I called for my lovers, so lots of sort of layers of poetry here. The city appears to be speaking, um, but there's this um, picture of um, idolatry as adultery again. So we understand that. We've seen that many times. Idolatry is spiritual adultery. Gary, most people aren't um, going to bow before a statue and worship it today. Some people are. We understand that. What would be some more common forms of idolatry today? It could be anything, right? Any, anything that we put before the Lord, myself, cars, you, you, you've talked about sports being uh, something that can become idolatrous for people. I certainly agree. Doesn't mean you can't ever watch a game, but if, if, if you recognize that's becoming an idolatrous thing in your life, you need to be really careful about, about putting that off. Brother Ray, any, I agree with Gary, anything that we would place before the Lord is we, we are making an idol in our lives today. It could be anything uh, today. And we, need, we need, really need to grab a hold of that idea and say, you know, I think about that thought, what, what am I going to do with that? Well, I, maybe I do well to stop praying, Lord, if there's anything in my life that I'm putting before you in any way, show me that, convict me of that, give me a heart to agree with you. Uh, and, and, and help me just to draw close to you, make, make you preeminent in my life as you are, uh, and, and to put off this um, idolatry that I've allowed myself to fall into. I called for my lovers. Um, idolatry pictured as adultery. 
Uh, but they deceived me. Yeah, idols are deceitful. Uh, Ernie and I are having a conversation earlier tonight about uh, people who are very genuine, but who are genuinely caught up in false faiths. Um, they, very sadly, they're, they're deceived. They're, they're, you know, they could be the nicest people in the world. And, and Mike's so faithful to their faith and to their doctrine, but if it's not Bible truth, they're deceived. Uh, and of course, uh, idolatry is deceitful. Uh, false faiths are deceitful. Um, there's the flesh is behind that. The enemy is behind that. We understand uh, the nature of deceit. Uh, we, we have an enemy who is a deceiver. Uh, they deceived me. My priests and my elders gave up the ghost and the city while they sought their meat to relieve their souls, uh, looking to things other than to the Lord to find comfort. Certainly, we know uh, that tendency um, in our own lives. Uh, people will resort to alcohol or to nicotine for relief of discomfort rather than looking to the Lord to comfort them. Uh, people will look to drugs of, of all kinds, uh, prescriptions or, or street drugs for relief when they should be looking to the Lord uh, for comfort. Listen, um, is the Lord available to comfort us or not? Which is it? Is, is the Lord available to comfort us or not? Um, yeah, and if, if, if that's true, Brother Ray, we, we really ought to you know, make, make a new habit, right, of, of looking to him rather than to other things uh, for, for comfort. There is a reason that psychiatric drugs are among the top selling category of drugs in the U.S. and, and around the world. People are looking to... Uh, psychiatric medicine rather than to the Lord uh, for comfort. There's a reason that there's an epidemic of addiction to uh, illicit drugs, street, street drugs. Uh, by the way, there's a reason that massive quantities of, of very addictive drugs are pouring over our southern border. You know what the reason is, right? There's a demand for it. There, there, there would be no drugs pouring over the southern border into Texas and other border states unless there was a huge demand for that. Well, the problem is the demand. <laughs> if there's no demand, it'll all go away. It, stay, it stays south of the border, brother, right? But there's a huge demand, and the demand can hardly be met. Uh, we know that genuine comfort is found in a genuine, intimate, personal relationship with Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's on us. It's our assignment, our commission uh, to get that truth out there so that people can know that. Mike, they don't know that. You know, it's, it's hard for me to be upset with people who just don't know the truth. They don't know the truth. Lord, help us. Give us hearts to, uh, to share the truth, please. Uh, Jerusalem was deceived um, as they sought false gods and, and false faiths, people in the world today are greatly deceived also. Verse 20, behold, O Lord, I'm in distress. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, my bowels are, are troubled. Uh, my heart is turned within me. Uh, for I have, what are the next two words? Grievously, verse 20, rebelled. Uh, grievously rebelled. Brother, I hope I never have to pray that, that prayer, but you know, 
we can find ourselves there, right? You find yourself in a place where, where you recognize that you have grievously rebelled against the Lord. Uh, you've, not been, um, you've not been where you should be in your walk with him. By the way, can you, can you show up at church every week uh, and even go through the motions of serving the Lord while at the same time grievously rebelling against him? Yeah, I, I saw one of these and, and I heard a sure because you know that's true. You, you put on a good game on the outside, but while at the same time be grievously rebelling against the Lord. Uh, in Jerusalem, there, you know, there, there was a lot of worship going on at, at the temple. Uh, it became mixed with false stuff, but there, there was a lot of worship. I mean, there was, people were going through the motions of worshiping the Lord, but Brother Ray with an awful lot of grievous error mixed into it. Uh, Lord, help us to not be going through the, sea, going through the motions uh, of living a, a life with you that should be um, what we should be doing, but in, inwardly sinning against you grievously. Um, for I have grievously rebelled. So this is, um, this is at least I, the Lord through Isaiah encouraging confession. Uh, confession is the first step in getting right. You, you don't, tell me if this makes sense. Do you repent of sin before you recognize the sin? That wouldn't make sense, right? So you gotta recognize the sin before you would repent of it. Uh, would, would, would do people genuinely repent of sin before they confess the sin? Well, no, because confession is agreement, right? It's simple agreement with the Lord that I have done wrong. So until you recognize the sin, until you confess the sin, there's not gonna be genuine repentance. And without genuine repentance turning from the sin, there's, there's not gonna be any genuine forsaking of the sin. So there's a, there's a, a pattern that you know, we need to learn. We need to recognize from the word of God as the Holy Spirit convicts us what is sin um, and be quick to agree, Lord, sure enough, you, you've shown me here in your word and you are convicting me in my spirit. This thing that I am doing or not doing is, is sinful. I agree with you, that's confession. Uh, Lord, give me strength to repent, to turn away from it. Uh, Lord, give me strength to forsake it, not just to turn, but to leave it behind and to put on, um, to put on uh, obedience in its place. These people, Mike, they're at least being encouraged to uh, confess. And maybe there's an allusion here to some early confession here uh, amongst the people. I have grievously rebelled. Uh, abroad the, the sword bereaveth at home there is as... Uh, death, not, not good. Uh, verse 21, they have heard that I sigh. Uh, that word is also translated groan. It's also translated mourn, right? So an outward sigh is an expression of an inward emotional groaning or, or mourning. They have heard that I sigh. There's none to comfort me. Uh, all mine enemies have heard of my trouble. That's not good. Uh, they are glad that thou hast done it. They uh, thou wilt bring the day that thou hast called, and they shall be like unto me. Um, verse 22, we're at the end of, of chapter 1. Let all their wickedness come before thee. So here, uh, Jerusalem is, is speaking uh, and imploring the Lord to deal with her enemies. Uh, Mike, I think a lot of times we, 
we ask the, the Lord, say the God, the Lord, he's the one true God, amen? You got any other true gods, folks? There's just one, right? Amen? That's the word that we need to get out to people also. People looking for comfort all, in all sorts of faiths, and they're not finding it, so they assume that the faith cannot comfort them. Mike, they got the wrong God. <laughs> There's one true God. He is the Lord. In verse 22, um, the city is crying out for deliverance from the trial. Brother Ray, maybe there's been some confession, but I don't think we see uh, illusions of um, repentance and forsaking sin yet. And so could, they, could there be an expectation, a, a realistic or genuine expectation of deliverance from the trial yet? Well, no. Um, it's, it's very easy to pray, Lord, deliver me from this trial. This doesn't feel right, Lord. I don't like this. Okay, but the Lord allows it to go on. Well, maybe there's still some business to do, Mike. Um, by the way, is, um, I'm going to ask you this question, even though I, I think I've made this clear, and, and, and you knew this before I told you this tonight. Is confession the same as repentance? It's not the same. Is confession the same as forsaking sin? It's not the same. What, when would the, if, if your trial is due to sin, what would you expect the Lord might require before he would lift the trial? If, if that's the case, if your trial is because of sin, what would you expect the Lord would require before he would lift the trial, Zach? Repentance, which is not the same as confession, right? Um, I could agree with you all day long that I'm guilty of X, Y, and Z sins, right? Mike, I could, you, you come and accuse me of some sin, and, and if I was guilty, I, I might agree with you. Sure enough, I'm guilty of X, Y, and Z. But if I don't move beyond just confessing guilt, there's probably not any change, right? Uh, agreeing that I'm guilty is not the same as um, turning away from doing the thing that made me guilty, um, and that's not the same as leaving it behind in, in God's strength. Um, maybe there's been a hint of confession here, but I don't think we could say or make a case that there's necessarily been genuine repentance uh, that leads to the forsaking of sin. And so the desire that the Lord would deal with the enemies that he is using to affect this trial, well, that's natural, that's a natural desire, but uh, I think that um, the expectation that he would deliver them at this point, probably a little premature. Uh, verse 22, let all their wickedness come before thee and do unto them as thou hast done unto me for all my transgressions, for my sighs, my groaning and mourning uh, are many, uh, and my heart is faint. We've been left weakened, Lord, by this, by this trial. Uh, by the way, is that, is that necessarily a bad thing? If um, you are guilty of some sin and the Lord allows a trial into your life that weakens you physically, is that a bad thing? Why? You said no. Yeah, yeah. Um, why is that? 
Gary, Gary said, well, so he, I give you a leading question. You answered the way I wanted you to. Thank you. <laughs> um, if the Lord weakens you in a trial, um, yeah. I mean, Brother, Brother Ray, he is intending to kind of wear our defenses down and bring us to a point where maybe we recognize that we really don't have a good option but to confess, repent, forsake, look to him, right? Because uh, I, I got nothing, nothing else is left. Um, Gary also added an important thought. Um, I'm not going to remember exactly the way he said it, but I believe you were conveying the idea that sometimes trials persist after the confession, repentance, forsaking of sin. The difficulty that we experience may, may continue on for a period of time. Is, does that sound right? Yeah, amen. <laughs> that sounds right. And, and so sometimes people are left kind of where we saw Jerusalem here, right? Why is that? Why, Lord, why? why? Why is this still happening? I've confessed, I've repented, forsaken the sin. Look, I've put off disobedience, I've put on obedience. Why is there still correction going on here? Why? Yeah. Right, so Paul, Paul knew that his trial would go on in order to keep him humble because he had known so many spiritual privileges. The Lord knew and Paul understood that he was at risk of being, becoming very prideful. So the Lord would use a trial to kind of keep his pride tamped down. There would be a physical weakness, a physical weakening of Paul so that his pride would be weakened uh, together with that. And, and so that there could be a spiritual strength in his life to go on and, and be usable by the Lord. Um, did that work, by the way? It, it looked like it, in Paul's life it worked, didn't it? Because you didn't get just one missionary journey or two. You got several, right? And, and church, people saved and churches planted and people disciplined and uh, the biggest chunk of the New Testament penned down, right? So God knew what it would take to keep Paul humble, to keep him usable, to keep him on the missionary trail, uh, to keep him preaching the gospel, to see people get saved, churches getting planted and grown and addressed as they needed to be, Corinth Church, right? Uh, God knew. Yeah. Um, the Lord knows what it takes to encourage repentance um, and reliance upon him. By the way, does he know what it takes to keep us living in obedience? Yeah, he does. He does. Um, let me ask you this also. Um, sometimes, sometimes um, are there consequences of sin that are just practical consequences. Like someone who does hard drugs for a long period of time, can there be consequences in their life, that physical consequences that just persist? A person gets saved, but they're still dealing with consequences, right? Someone was an alcoholic for a long period of time, there's, there's consequences in their life, right? Phys maybe physical things, 
uh, practical things, financial things, emotional things, right? There's, there can be all kinds of consequences that persist in a person's life after they're saved. And I think sometimes people are tempted to get um, frustrated about that. Does that mean God's unjust? No, it means that there's consequences for sin, right? There's, there's practical consequences for, for real sin. And sometimes those consequences persist uh, after a person gets saved. Sometimes they persist all the way home uh, to the Lord. You know, if um, someone got drunk and got into a car accident, lost their foot, they get saved after that, their foot is still gone, right? It's still gone. I think we know someone that happened to. Um, yeah, I mean that. Amen. Amen. Um, I think tonight we see here at the end of this first chapter, this first dirge. Um, the people have the cart before the horse, They're looking for relief from the trial before there's been genuine widespread repentance. We have the same tendency, Brother Ray, that's the tendency in our own lives today. We want, we want the trial to be over before God's purposes have been accomplished. I don't see it here, but I see it in life. Um, even, even when there's been genuine repentance, sometimes the Lord will allow trial to continue. He has his purposes. And there's nothing unjust about that. God knows. God knows what is needed in our lives. And if it's trial, there's nothing unjust about that at all. You offered the example of Paul. I think it was you. Nothing unjust about that at all. God had a great purpose for keeping Paul humble. The Lord knew that that ongoing physical trial would keep him humble and keep him usable. Um, don't put the cart before the horse, number one. Number two, if trial persists beyond getting spiritually right with the Lord, you may wonder about that. That's okay. But don't be angry or frustrated. The Lord is righteous. He knows what is best. Do you believe that? Is he righteous? Does he know what is best? Does he have a good purpose for allowing a trial to continue always? Does he always have a good purpose? He does. He does. He does. Uh, please remember also tonight, uh, Brother Ray, I said it already tonight and we'll say it again and we'll stop. Not every trial is about correction. Job's trials were not about correction, not, at least not primarily. God has lots of purposes for trials. We talked about that a little bit recently. Uh, sometimes he wants people to learn to seek the Lord and his comfort uh, in the face of a trial so that you can encourage the same in someone else's life. We saw that. We know that's, that's scripture. That, that's even New Testament scripture. Amen. Um, yeah, he is a righteous God. He has his purposes. Lord, help us keep that in mind. Lord, help us not put the cart before the horse. We'll stop there tonight. Um, uh, last week, I gave you an assignment to read half of this chapter. Um, I, I know some of you were able to do that. Thank you. Your assignment for this week is to read chapter two, the whole chapter, okay? Um, the theme is Judah as a weeping daughter. You'll see the word daughter 10 times. Um, 
you'll see the, daughter, the word daughter 10 times. Mike, in this first chapter, there, there's a, a theme of the consequences of sin being emotional and spiritual in addition to physical. Um, in this next chapter, you'll see, yes, Jerusalem pictured as a weeping daughter, but one who is suffering the wrath that the Lord has at sin. So you're gonna see words like anger six times and wrath uh, and destroyed and poured and swallowed, um, words that poetically picture the Lord's incredible wrath at sin. And so keep an eye out for these words. Uh, look for them as you read through the chapter. It's only 22 verses, you can read it rather quickly. I would encourage you to read it slowly and read it more than once. I mean, if you read it you know, several times this week, that'll be good, asking God to show you what he would like you to see each time. Lord, work in my heart as I, as I read this. Let me see the things that you would have me to see today. And then we come back together next Wednesday night, Lord willing, you'll have read it at least once. Um, Lord will already have shown you some things and I could share some things that he's shown me also. Does that sound good? Let's do that, okay? Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for this book. It is hard. Not hard to understand, but hard to read, hard to receive. Lord, I think it's hard also because we, we see ourselves. And of course, I understand that's, that's your purpose. Lord, I pray tonight that, again, that we also see Christ one who suffered for our sin, not because of his sin, but for our sin. Father, help us to remember tonight sin has consequences and that Christ is the answer. Lord, give us hearts to share that truth with whomever will listen. I've been encouraged, Lord, this week to hear um, people are sharing scripture Numbers of tracts in John and Romans have gone out since Sunday, and people have received them with enthusiasm. Lord, I've been encouraged to hear this week that uh, people who have not been willing to hear anything of our faith uh, have been willing to listen and have been obviously affected by your words. Lord, give us hearts to share your words. Use us. Father, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come, please. All right, let's uh, stand as we turn to 264. Standing as we turn to 264, we'll sing all three verses of Sweet Hour of Prayer, number 264. Father's throne, make all my wants and wishes. 
is known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, thy wings shall my petition bear to him whose truth and faithfulness engage the waiting soul to bless. And since he bids me seek his face, believe his word and trust his grace, I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, may I thy consolation share, till from Mount Pixos' lofty height I view my home and take my flight. This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize, and shout while passing through the air, farewell.